Uh, Lord, if you uh, would, uh, would quiet uh, our hearts um, right now and just allow us to focus uh, for a little bit. Now, there's a lot of stuff that we need to uh, have poked. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff that we need to um, look at. Uh, Lord, our hearts uh, want so many things. Lord, my heart wants so many things. Uh, Lord, as we uh, just sit and chat a bit, uh, would you um, just give great clarity, Father, for what, uh, for what we're doing? And Lord, would you uh, be the God of revival? Lord, would we not say it, Father, but would we uh, trust you that you are here to renew us, that we, and that we would want to be changed? Lord, not just hear uh, things that are neat, or things that are good, Father, but that we would want to be good as you are good. Lord, we ask and beg these things of you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's turn to the devotion page. Zihart. Hey, kudos for, the, uh, for that diagram. That thing is real nice, isn't it? Yeah, I felt fancy. I felt like, wow, this is like... This is really this is really helpful. Good job, guys. All right. So um, for those of y'all that took uh, some time to kind of work through that, so what were some uh, what was illuminated for you as you look at this heart, right? As we talked about um, we talked about our uh, kind of how our heart, right, is our our mind, our, our will. Um, our desires, right, are kind of different parts of what make um, up that part of us. As we look at this, we talk about that the issue, right, is, is divided heart, that we've got all these things coming into play that we're trying to work from. And as we look at this diagram, right, what is, what is illuminated for you as you look at, well, we, uh, God wants us to have a, uh, a pure heart, Right, they do things with all of our heart, and yet, as I look at my diagram, I've got a lot of these boxes filled in that are not one thing. So, what what, what were some thoughts that you had as you were as you were doing this exercise that Lord the Lord uh, kept you to? Maybe just a couple of people shared. Nick. <laughs> How about that? I like that. I like that second gear. You was like kind of. First gear, it's like, yeah, a couple things. Oh, you know, I've got some, I've got some more things. Yeah, somebody else. I think it was something that Caroline and I were talking about. We did ours together, just like how sad it is that like our hearts are so divided when they should really be all centered yeah. towards the Lord. Because we were reading um, Psalm eighty-six, eleven, which is like, "Teach me your ways, Lord, and I will live by your truth." Give me an undivided mind, or like in our case, undivided heart. How convicting that was specifically for me of like my heart's so divided in different directions and we should all be centered on fearing the Lord and learning the Lord's ways. Yeah. Maybe one more. I feel like whenever I was writing it out, everything I wrote, I felt two ways about. Mm. Like, you know, the future. It's like in one way that makes me feel like really comforted and another yeah. fear and like just the feeling that divides my heart, like when it's ordered wrong and when it's ordered right. Like when it's ordered wrong, everything's tainted. When it's ordered correctly, everything I'm able to enjoy as it's supposed to be enjoyed. Yeah. Amen. 
Um, Soren Kierkegaard, um, a Christian philosopher, a churchman, um, said, the purity of the heart is to will one thing. Often when the Bible talks about being uh, hypocritical or double-minded, right, it has this uh, picture of being two-faced. Um, that we have a face that we put on, right, in different circumstances, right, to fit that thing. And it's exhausting, is it not? I mean, we all are good at that, right? We're, what we're not good at is willing one thing, right? <laughs> Being uh, the same person, right, having the same goal, the same priority um, all the time. That is where we find ourselves apart from God. Purity of the heart is to will one thing, right, to have an undivided heart. As, we, as, I think about, um, as I think about my life, right, um, and I think about how, uh, how well I, if we think back to the diagram with, uh, of our lives not oriented towards guys, right, we have our thoughts, our feelings, our body kind of calling out to us, uh, clamoring for attention, right, and I'm more important in this situation, right, and I have, um, and we have not resisted those things very well. Have we thought about that? That a lot of, uh, as God calls us to be steadfast, a lot of that is resisting, right, outside of voices, uh, things that clamor for our heart. Their hearts, remember, are really sticky, right? They're spongy. They like things. They're very easily enamored. I feel like I've put my hand into the cookie jar, and a lot of times we make that joke, and it's like, I'm just sneaking, right, a cookie. It's kind of, Mom, you know, I see my kids sometimes, one of the funniest... Uh, kind of uh, visuals I get is you're, like you're noticing all of a sudden like kind of around the corner you see this little hand like an elephant trunk just kind of feeling around like looking for something that they're not supposed to have and just kind of like as I feel like this, the, the idea of the cookie jar right it's like there's a cookie jar kind of got it to get a lid off and kind of stick our hand in it yet uh, what we've done is we've done that in some instances and what we've done is we haven't taken our hand back out of the cookie jar right isn't that what it feels like and so this, right, is kind of the state that we live in. Your heart, mind, desires, right, are meant to love things, okay? They're meant to love things. It's not wrong to love things. Here's what's wrong. Loving things more than God. Write that down. If you're taking notes, <laughs> the issue is not loving things, Okay? We were meant to love things. The issue is loving things more than God. It's okay for Hollis to love her bunny. Okay? <laughs> it's okay for her to enjoy lots of different things. What's not okay, right, won't be, won't, what won't be okay later is if she wants those things more than what God gives her. And that is our issue. That is it. There's no, there's no, there's no but. That, that's it. Full stop, period. <laughs> and so the problem is our heart, like how it works right now. <laughs> we don't know how to guard it, right? It's, it's just tainted. And so if our heart is tainted, right, if we have a, if it is our problem, we don't know how to wield it well, and so it is just... <laughs> It is just what it is right now. And so what I want to talk about is just in this uh, first session is this idea, right, of 
understanding, uh, just making sure that we understand kind of how it gets tainted and the ways specifically it will do that. And we'll take a break and then talk about guarding our heart. So we're going to go through, I think, six different things. We'll look at a couple scriptures here and just uh, kind of some truths that we need to understand about our heart and then um, kind of wrap up and take a break. So the first uh, scripture I want you to look at is 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 12. And actually turn to this one if you can. Uh, six, uh, 2 Corinthians 6. Uh, 2 Corinthians is Paul's letter really to the leadership of the Corinthian church, right, which is a hot mess. Uh, our churches in kind of metropolitan areas are very much like this, so where uh, God's gospel has been penetrate, has penetrated the people, right, that they have responded to God, but they are living in sin. They are not, they are not doing a good job of, uh, of, of um, living God's life. They're kind of in two worlds. And so if you read 1 Corinthians, it is addressing this issue, that they are, they are very much... Um, kind of infant Christians, and they've been in that space for a while. 2 Corinthians is this letter mostly to the leadership of the Corinthian church and talking to them about service and ministry. And this is one of my favorite, um, favorite books in the Bible, uh, but this chapter is really good. Prior to this, um, he is talking about that Paul says, I've committed myself to you, and he lists these many things. You can and just kind of skim that before we get down to uh, 6, 11, and 12. And he said that we've shown you basically how to live among you. We've commended ourselves. We've, we've shown you, uh, we've been honorable among you. We've shown you how to live, and we've shown it in all these ways. Like we've proven ourselves how much we love you. Somebody read as your, uh, just a couple of those things that he says that we commend ourselves in this and in that and this and in that. Just read a couple of them. It's kind of popcorn. Calamities. And calamities, right? We've suffered calamities for you. We've driven up the mountains in a busted car for you. We're coming. This is the thing ain't going to work, but we're coming. What else? Hardships. Hardships. Sleepless nights. Sleepless nights. <laughs> Beatings. <laughs> I don't think anybody's done that yet this weekend. What? Patience. Hunger. Dishonor. Patience. Dishonor. Patience. Right? It's a long list, isn't it? Kindness. Kindness. That we've shown you these things. Right? We are for you. Don't you get it? We are for you. We are here for you. We are, we are laboring for you in all these very specific ways. And then he says this. Verse 11, our mouths have spoken freely to you. We have not kept back any knowledge that we know, any way of following Christ. O Corinthians, our heart is open wide to you. We have willed one thing, it is your good. But you, have restrained, you are restrained in your own affections. And what he's saying is, the problem is not with us. <laughs> He's saying, I have done everything I'm supposed to do, but there's one thing that you're not understanding. The problem is not with me. You can't sit here long enough. You've got to do something about it. Does that make sense? The problem is your affections. You like too many things more than God. That's why this isn't working like it's supposed to work. As the first time that I really read that and really understood it, 
That, that might have been one of the biggest slaps in the face I've had in the, in the past several years. Rob, the problem is not what they're teaching or not teaching. The problem is not this. The problem is not that. There's no excuses. Paul is saying, you're responsible. So our first truth here is our affections are tainted. They are. <laughs> the problem is with me. It's not with my roommate. It's not with my mom. It's not with my dog. Sorry, it's not with the other things that are going on. If the problem is my affections are tainted. Our heart, our wills, our desires, we are uh, restraining them because we won't let go of the things that we love more than God. Second uh, scripture is Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. So you can just write this one down. Ezekiel 36, 26 through tw- uh, 27. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Here's the takeaway and the truth I want you to get from this. God uh, is making your heart new. Right? And he, in this, he's showing you right, that there's something wrong with how we handle it. In our hands, our heart right, is deceitful above all things. And so he says, I need to make it new. And so we're going to talk about this in a later session, about how God renews our heart, about how he revives it. Our natural inclination is to ruin it. Anybody does something that they didn't know how to do, I don't know, like put up a volleyball net earlier, right? We don't know how to do it, right? And it's like, uh, I tried. <laughs> this is very much like our heart. I didn't mean to, right? I just, I don't know what I'm doing. And just like, <laughs> and God's like, oh, okay, very nice. This kind of ruffles our hair. We've got some work to do here. Right, by his need of giving us in here, right, that tells us that there's something wrong and our natural inclination is to ruin it. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. Right, that heart made up of our mind, will, desires is the most deceitful thing that exists. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. What do we do? Uh, how do we handle like being sick? First, we've got to recognize it, right? You ever seen somebody sick and then you go ask them, like, are you sick? And you're like, nah, fine. <laughs> <You know. laughs> just white. I mean, they're just, they're having some problems. I'm fine, I'm fine. If I just, if I just lean up against this wall, <laughs> I, think I'll, I think I'll make it through. Right, our hearts are sick, right? And what happens when our hearts are sick, uh, when we're sick? What do we need? Okay, medicine, rest, figure out what exactly is wrong with us, right? So we're taking the right medicine. 
I'm just sick. <laughs> Vitamin C. So our heart is sick, but it's also deceitful. What, what does it mean to be deceitful? That that part of our lives, right, it's, it's easily deceived. Okay, it's, it's able to be tricked. Yeah, that's right. It makes you think that it's doing what it's supposed to do and when it's actually doing the opposite. Have we ever thought of that? Like that's a, that's a pretty kind of mind-blowing thing that all the things, like we want to live by our heart and our feelings, right? The things, the thoughts that we pervade our minds. And Jeremiah, the psalmist, trying to let us remember, it's like that's the absolute worst thing you could possibly do. Like your heart is an idiot. You understand, like, write that as big as you possibly can in your notes. My heart, right, not Rob's heart, right, not May May's heart, my heart is an idiot. Okay? That would be mean, right? You're like, mm, my heart is a fine, but Nick's, Nick's is terrible. <laughs> my heart is an idiot. It longs to deceive me. It is, in its current state, deceptive. That's not how God created it to be. That's not how it was supposed to function, but that is how it functions right now. Is that hard to take? Yes. It's almost annoying because you kind of like, you grow up like hearing, oh, follow your heart, listen to your heart. You do. There's songs about it. Yeah. As we sing it, we twirl. It makes it better. <laughs> <sighs> My heart is deceitful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't have a, I can twirl better than that. There's not a lot of room back here. Kitty is, she's like hating on me. <laughs> Later, I'll just be, Renee, back me up on this. That one time we were in London, right outside of the Queen's Palace, and there was a field of daisies. Wasn't I enjoying myself? I think we have a picture of it somewhere. I was just running, like my arms, head back, arms out, just running through the field. It was, it was magical. <laughs> I'll, we'll find it. We'll find it. I didn't. I was dressed basically like I am now, just a little less mountainy. So, anyway, we digressed. So, so this last part here is is who, who can understand it, right? So, so the so the the takeaway for us, right, is it's hard to understand. Like we, it's an idiot, right? It's it's deceitful. It longs to deceive me. Right, and I don't under, really understand it. And so that's part of what we're spending some time on here is that we can understand it, we just don't. And so the truth here, number three, the heart is the most deceitful thing that exists and under need of great care and revitalization. What happens when somebody's really sick and we don't care for it? Do they get, they sometimes get better, right? But generally that's not how we want to handle that, right? Like we want to care for them. <laughs> we don't just like, ah, it's fine. Maybe, maybe not. First Samuel sixteen seven. First Samuel sixteen seven. And the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at the appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. Talking about Saul. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
Right? The truth here, number four, God's great concern is the condition of your heart. If you need to write under that some things God is not concerned with, fill in the blank, everything else. God's great concern is the condition of your heart. He wants it healthy. Because when it's healthy, it's the source of much good. Our desires, healthy desires, healthy mind, healthy will. Okay, That's number four. God's great concern is the condition of our heart. And then under that, you know, he, he is not concerned with this. He is not concerned with this. He is not concerned with this. That helps me. Uh, Matthew 6.21. So this is our, our last one. Matthew 6.21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the most true thing. You know that this is true, don't you? You're like, I get that one. Dang. <clears throat> That's right. That is true. The things that I value, right? That is where my desires are. That is where my mind is, right? That is what my will is towards. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there. That's how we know where our heart is. And so number five, your heart follows your actions and your thoughts. We work on and for what we value above all else. We dwell on what we like and what captures us. We work on and for what we value above all else. We dwell on what we like and what captures us. Remember, as a high school student, you get, like, crushes, right? Well, you probably get them before this, but I'm just remembering myself as a high school student. And uh, say you, you know, you, you're, you're a gal and you like a boy, right? Or you're a boy and you like a gal. I like her all right. She's real nice. I think I want to get to know her. It just felt right. I'm sorry. So, but when we think about that, think about how many things, uh, about how lazy we are in certain instances. About like, if somebody asks us to come out, it's like, oh, that's 10 minutes away. I've got to put on a hoodie and walk outside and get in the car. It's like, I'm good. <laughs> but there's so, there's, there's so many things where we're just like, that's just too much trouble. But here's the thing. And, and I remember this as, as, a, as a young fella. <laughs> let's say if let's say if uh, some girl had asked me to like I don't know go out to the movies but I had like I had to go out to dinner with my parents and I had like finished up some homework and I'm starting MacGyvering that stuff don't you you're like okay if I get that homework done and then if I if we can we move it just a little bit earlier and like you start maneuvering right around to get that thing you want don't you because you want to see the boy you want to see the girl you want to do the thing don't you when we want something, right, when we love it, when we desire it, right, all our actions and thoughts are in that space, don't we? Like that proves to me, right, that it's not an effort level. It is a love issue. It's not laziness. It is our affections. Because if you want to see that boy or that girl or go to that concert or whatever that thing is, you will work it out. I mean, or die trying, right? Right? 
You will drive three hours for 15 minutes and then drive back to the thing. If I can get down there and just see real quick and then, right? <laughs> I mean, I am impressed with my level of ingenuity to, to do the things that I really actually want to do. Amen? Amen over here? Amen? Amen? Okay. Amen. Uh, turn with me to Matthew 15, 1 through 9. So Matthew 15, 1 through 9, this is a little narrative uh, where Jesus is uh, engaging with some Pharisees and scribes. And the Pharisees and scribes feel good about themselves. They do not feel like their hearts are deceitful. They are righteous in their own eyes. Right? They're questioning Jesus constantly because they believe that they're in the right. And so they're constantly kind of digging on him, finding out what he thinks trying to catch him so that they're proved correct. And so he starts in verse 1, Matthew 15, verse 1. It says, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. They came from the, from the big house. And said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. This is a big deal. You need to be ritually pure before you eat. This is, every Jew did this. Um, this is not like a big rule that only some people did. This is like a, a real basic rule. You do it. Okay? Why don't they wash hands? So that's really important to them. And he answered them and said to you, well, let me ask you a question. This is a, this is a pretty good burn. Why do you yourselves transgress the commandments of God for the sake of tradition? Why you come at me, bro? And he answered and said to why do you yourselves transgress the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? In their heart, right, so they're, they're asking Jesus a real simple thing. Hey, you don't wash your hands. And he says, but what, but, but basically you, that's all you do is wash your hands. Why do you do that? Verse 4, for God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father, uh, but you say, verse 5, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever I have, I would help you, has been given to God. Is he not to honor his father or mother? So what he's saying, just to translate, is doesn't the, doesn't the commandment say, honor your father and mother? He says, but when your father and mother ask you, basically, like, as they're older, they're supposed to be taken care of, right? Like, if mom and dad don't have a place to live, like, the kids pay for it, pay for food. Like, they put them up. They take care of their parents. And what, these guys, what he's claiming these guys have, have done or do regularly is, like, I really wish that I could pay for your stuff. But I, like, I gave all that money to the temple. I'm so sorry. And, like, that's okay. <laughs> And what is God making sure that they understand? Like, that's not important. Like, I don't need your money, okay? I've never needed your money. I need you to, I need you to take care of the people around you. I said to honor them. You're not honoring them. You're actually doing the opposite. So we're missing, right, this, this heart issue. And then he, and he finishes. 
He says, by this you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. See, they, their affections, the thing they loved was the tradition. They loved it. They loved doing things that had been done for a thousand years at this point. It says that's not, that is where your affections are. You love it because you do those things real well. Verse 7, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. So here's, here's what we need to, this is not a gotcha moment, this is not a dang that, is he talking about me, or he's definitely talking about himself. The people honor me with their lips. We say good things. We do traditional good things. And what is God saying about those things? How do we get those things wrong? Your heart's still falling away from me. Yeah. Is that do those things, right? But, but if our heart, if, there's not, if I am not the reason you're doing them, but there's a way that we can gather here today kind of for the wrong motives, right? There's a way that we can go to God's truth wrongly because I'm looking for him to like, I open it up like, you see me? <laughs> right? You see me? Okay, good. Right? Because that's the reason I'm doing it because I want him to see me. Or we go talk to the person that nobody's talking to, right? Or we go do the thing that nobody's doing, and we don't do it because it should be done. We do it because, like, hey, does somebody see me? Hey, psst. I don't want to do this again. Like, anybody looking? <laughs> David was called a man after God's own heart. Why? Talk amongst yourselves real quick, and then we'll finish up. The session, take a break. Why was David called a man after God's own heart? All right. All right, think about how David was, things he did. Right, even, I mean, David... Uh, his affections were kind of taken away at certain parts of his life. David sinned horrifically, and yet he was consistently called throughout his life a man after God's own heart. Why? What do you think? Stephen made a good point that um, his will was in line with God's will, like they were one and the same. Yep. Yes, that was Madison. She's down there. Okay. Excellent, excellent, Madison. Yeah, Lauren. I think he, David recognized like the grace God had given him, and instead of like abusing that grace and kind of like saying, "Oh, you know, God will forgive me," he like 
put that to work and like actually accepted the grace and then went along with it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, even when his reputation was like um, was messed up, destroyed, like he still wanted to follow after God, and so that proves that like it wasn't just for show. It wasn't. Maybe one more. Anybody over here? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it was a, a level in the air, you know, just like I'm kind of just like dancing to pull it off. Everybody knew just like, what are you doing? And he's just like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Even like what my baby is alive, he was just like, oh my gosh, I'm scared. He's just like, I don't care. Yeah. So it kind of revealed the fact that just like, I care about what my God says and not what you guys say. That's right. So you're saying, uh, Lindell's given a couple examples about there's this episode that Jesus is worship. I mean, uh, Jesus, David is worshiping, right? He's worshiping like he, he just kind of gets in this frenzy of dancing and singing. He doesn't care who anybody. He is literally dancing like no one's watching, but yet everyone's watching. And they're super embarrassed for him because he like takes off. He didn't get like naked, but he like gets down to like his, his undies, essentially. And his wife despises him because you're like, how dare you love the Lord that much? Or my favorite episode is the, when he's a, a young man um, in the, the Goliath episode. And uh, Goliath comes out, army of the Philistines, army of the Israelites. And they say, hey, we got a big dude. Let's just send him out there. They'll be scared. Let's just challenge him to the fight. There's nobody that's better than our champion. And he gets word of this. Everyone's fight. The, uh, uh, King Saul is like, asking everybody like I'll give you my daughter like I'll give you half the kingdom like I'll give you my arm like what any will anyone go out there and David's not even there but he hears about this and he runs in and they're all like what should we do he's like what do you mean what do we do like this guy is is uh is profaning the name of the Lord our God like let's fight I'll go fight who cares it's like it doesn't matter God's with me this is God's heart he's like how dare they how dare the Philistines say that our God isn't big enough? And so a 20-year-old in front of, and I, I could have been younger than that, but he's a young man, not a large man, <laughs> goes out, right, and because he knows God's heart, he knows that he wants God's name to be famous and glorified. He says, I'll fight this Philistine. Because me plus God doesn't matter who I am. If I have God, I'm victorious. Right, that is God's heart. When God is for us, right, there is victory. He is the God of revival. Can you see the love in his eyes for David? That's my boy. (laughs) Right? That's what I long for my son to have my heart. I long to say, for him to realize that, that my heart is God's heart and my son's heart is God's heart. The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. David's heart was not far from him. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines the precepts of men. So we'll close with this. So what do we think is God's heart? What do we think is God's heart? Most often, then we think of his heart the way we think of older people. And, and bear with me. You know how, uh, if any of you have taken somebody to grandma's house, right, this is a very unique thing, and they just like them for no real reason except that their shirt might be tucked in, 
and their hair short. <laughs> they could be a terrible person, as you may find out later. <laughs> but grandma likes them. Right, because she's traditional and she likes traditional things. Right, and so the person's traditional and so we think that's enough. We think God's like that, don't we? We think as long as my shirt tail's tucked in, not doing these bad things that much. I'm in, I'm in Sunday service sometimes. Right, it's not about Sunday service. Right, it's about our heart. I want to be, do I want to be there to be with God's people? Do I want to learn to love whatever it is <laughs> that I don't know? I will go to this thing. I will do this thing because God likes it. David wasn't picking a fight. They were profaning the name of the Lord, his God, and he was going to do something about it. All of us would defend to the death the thing we love. Right? You guys will fight about TV shows. I've heard you. Right? Will we fight for God? Will we learn to love God like that? We do it easily and without provocation. <laughs> and that's that thing. Our favorite artists. No, this was a better concert. This restaurant's better. There's all kinds of things that we'll do that for. Will we fight for our God? Will we fight for his heart? If God created you, then he knows you. If you believe that God created you, then he knows you. That means that he knows your heart. He made you. He knows, what, uh, he knows your heart and what will satisfy it. If God created you, then he knows you. That means he knows your heart and what will satisfy it. And so here's where we'll close and take a break. So you can know that information. You can write it down and you can know it. God created me. That means he knows me. And if he knows me, he knows my heart. And if he knows my heart, he knows what satisfies it. We can know that, right? But that doesn't do us any good. Lots of people can just like, okay, that's great information. But the second thing is we've got to believe that it's true. That's a different thing. You understand? Like somebody can sell me that they like me, right? But then there's another step that I've got to confirm. That's why we send the notes. Yes, no, maybe. I need to confirm that it's true, right? That's belief. That's good, but that's not it either. That's where most of us stop. That there's a portion of our lives where we stop here. And I know some people that have been here their whole lives. I can believe that that's actually true, but here's the third thing. But are you living as if it's true? That is faith. Faith is, anything that's not that is not faith. Faith. 
You can know it. You can believe that it's true. But are you living as if it's true? It will, that promise, that truth will never do anything for you. Nothing. It will do nothing for you. It will not make any difference until you do that last thing. That's hard. I love knowing things and I love thinking that they're true. But that last one, that's a doozy. Living as if it's true. So here's what I want. I'm going to close in prayer. Stop believing Him and start trusting Him. Stop believing Him and start trusting Him. Let's pray. Rob, stop believing God and trust Him. Golly, I like a lot of things. And I will fight for a lot of things. And Father, I have fought for you, but there are so many times that I don't. And that breaks my heart. Father, you have showed me the goodness of guarding my heart. Father, you have shown me the goodness of what it looks like to make it clean and yet so many oftentimes I don't persevere in that. Father, I let my guard down. I let it get, I I, I lower the walls and everything comes rushing in. I, I forget that my heart is so deceitful. So Father, as we just take a break, as we just go and, and, uh, just move around a little bit and come back. Father, I, I pray that you um, would help us chew on uh, what it is you're telling our heart. That we would start to discern that, that what, what you're speaking to us is not conviction, it's truth. And conviction happens when it doesn't line up with what we're doing. And that's okay. That's the best thing for us. It, it's not meant to make us feel bad. It only makes us feel bad if we don't change. It, make, it feels real good when we, when we actually listen. So would you do that? Give us some rest here in a few minutes. Come back. In Christ's name, amen.